0: unlock the power of your mind this is provocative enlightenment with eldon taylor
1: welcome to another hour dedicated to a fresh inquiry exploring exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened indeed an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of our ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become This is an hour for the open-minded, willing to risk their foregone conclusions and perhaps discover an entirely new dimension in their thoughts and being. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Each week, I read a few of your letters as our way of recognizing the importance you play in shaping and improving our show. Last week, our guest was August Goforth, and our discussion was all about the use of spirit, mediumship, in health care. August, a medium and psychotherapist himself, has suggested developing a standards of care model for this purpose. Vicki wrote, thank you so much for exploring the topic of using intuition or mediumship for mental health assistance. I work closely with a lot of therapists and psychiatrists, always with the client's permission, and have found amazing results when everyone has the highest interest of the client in mind and spirit. While I am appreciative of the work we have done, I am so grateful there are others looking at this. As it feels, this is the direction healthcare is heading. As for the woman who asked about the accuracy of the tarot card reader, it has always been my position if someone is feeding you fear, they are wanting you to come back for more. There are ways to inform without scaring someone into Googling stats at 2 a.m. Either subject comes down to one thing, ethics. Simple as that. Work with the highest intention, and it's all good. Well, thanks for the letter, Vicky. Sue wrote, I really enjoyed the show this week. I thought August Goforth sounded like a very genuine person and seemed to be a man of humility. I liked his ideas about intuities and mediums, working with doctors, but I think, as you said, it would be very difficult to find a standard to work within. Sometimes it works very well. Take Caroline Miss and Norman Shealy, but the doctor would have to be very open-minded, I'm not sure that's a very common quality with doctors. All right. Well, if it isn't, change your doctor. You know, that's, right. that's my advice. Isha from our chat room commented at the end of the show. I love this. Oh, no, the end. It was great. Thoroughly loved it. Well, we're glad you did, Isha, and we'll do our best to keep the inquiries that way. Tiffany wrote, I have the book Mind Programming and the free CD Serenity. I also meditate. While doing a meditation the other night, while listening to the CD, my body became so light I could not feel it. It kind of freaked me out. I read in the book that you have a CD MP3 about forgiveness. That is the one I am really interested in. But after the result of the Serenity CD, I look forward to listening to them all. Thank you, Eldon, for awakening me. Well, you're more than welcome, Tiffany, and for all of you. Remember, the Serenity CD comes free with a Mind Programming book, and you can get it from online booksellers like Amazon for under $10 now. Diane wrote, excuse me, that's for around $10. I think it's about $10.50. I don't want any letters telling me I got it wrong. Diane wrote, thank you for providing these programs at no charge. It is very helpful to me at this time. Well, you're welcome, Diane, and for all of you, remember that you can get your own free Intertalk programs by going to my website, eldentaylor.com. That's E L D O N T A Y L O R.com. We have a number of titles there to assist you, and they are yours for the downloading. <clears throat> we think of this as just part of our own Pay It Forward program. Amy wrote, I have downloaded some of your free MP3 files, but not all of them. I've enjoyed them so much. <laughs> And want to take advantage of the rest of them. Thank you so much for offering these. Also, you and Rav rock on Hay House Radio. I enjoy your shows and try to listen to all of them, usually in the archives, which is awesome. You always provide such stimulating content that gives a different point of view. I appreciate the gracious, pointed questioning you give your guests. Thanks for not letting anyone off the hook easily. Folks, had better be on their toes if they come on your show. Love it. Well, we're glad you do, Amy, and thanks for the feedback. I don't think they need to be too much on their toes, do they? Just honest, just you know, don't baffle gabbers.
2: That's true, and that's on your toes. So that sounds good to me. You
1: no, know, I, I on your toes. You know, I think there's a lot of latitude in the show for, you know, maybe you you, you don't quite have the detail or you forgot the citation. I I don't think that's the important yeah. thing. I think the important thing is that. You know, there is a level of integrity with whatever you're communicating, and we don't want BS, period, and a quotation.
2: That's true. That's true. You can't get carried away with your enthusiasm that you forget the details.
1: Well, now I have to qualify that one. All right, whatever. (laughs) Okay, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at com, or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming. I highly value your input, and I do encourage you to please provide your feedback. And once again, thank you for your continued support. Now to today's show. Extraordinary dreams, the mythic path, and debating psychic experience. When I think of terms such as paranormal or parapsychological, there are certain icons that come to mind. These are the people that have pioneered our contemporary understanding of what just a couple of hundred years ago might have led to being prosecuted or even burned at the stake for practicing some form of witchcraft. Indeed, one of my prized possessions is a 300-year-old copy of the Malleus Maleficarum, That's Latin for hammer of the witch. The main purpose of the malais was to attempt to systematically refute arguments claiming that witchcraft did not exist, discredit those who expressed skepticism about its reality, to claim that witches were more often women than men, and to educate magistrates on the procedures that could find them out and convict them. According to the text, among the many signs of witchcraft were the practices of mathematics. Mathematicians were to be held in suspicion, not just those who conjured up cures and curses. We've come a long way since this book was originally written in 1486 by Heinrich Kramer, an inquisitor of the Catholic Church. Today, the world of psychic this and that has gone rather mainstream. Famous psychics such as Gene Dixon were said to counsel Nancy and President Ronald Reagan. The Psychic Network is a regular advertiser in the media today. And, you know, forgive me, but for a few dollars, you can have your fortune told over the phone. You no longer need to appear in person, gaze into a crystal ball, sniff a special concoction of exotic this and that, drink a potion or so on. No, today you can make a phone call from the privacy of your home and even use a pseudoname and still gain access to the future. This is the new age, and there is a guru, psychic, or what have you, on every corner ready to show you the way to nirvana here on Earth. Now, all of this, how does that interface with science? And there is a science, a study of the paranormal. Our original guest today would have discussed with us that science and some of the New Age hoopla. We, we're going to call on our on my dear friend, Dr. Jillian Holloway, who has volunteered to step up to the plate today and discuss dreams myth and science with us. Uh, after all, she teaches in the university as well. Uh, so, despite the fact that we don't have our planned Professor Stanley Krippner with us, I think we can pursue this subject anyway. For years, as you know, I was a practicing criminal criminalist, and I've already shared with our radio audience that I've used psychic information in investigations. However, often they get it wrong. The psychics get it wrong. I mean, we get it wrong, too. But, for example... Science on MSNBC reported just a month ago, the chaos that ensued as helicopters, reporters, and onlookers descended upon what a psychic claimed was the scene of a grisly mass murder at a rural farmhouse in Houston, Texas, may suggest that psychics help out police on tricky cases. But alas, it all turned out to be nothing. So not only was the tip unhelpful, it was also a waste of time and energy. There's no validity to the report, one law enforcement official confirmed. Part of the reason that Houston police took the psychic seriously is that they initially found some evidence corroborating her claims, including blood on the ground and the smell of decomposition on the property. The psychic also seemed to know the layout of the house and other details that weren't public knowledge. So the question is, how would a scientist score this one? Partially right or totally wrong. I mean, I remember having a psychic uh, accompany me to a scene where we thought we had a homicide, and uh, this psychic was able to give me some information about a particular pickup truck, a couple of people in the truck, and a sawed off shotgun. And we were able to identify the truck and these two brothers, and indeed they had this illegal sawed off shotgun but they had nothing to do with the particular crime that we were investigating. Is that a partial hit? Is that a totally wrong? how, How does science deal with this? When it comes to matters of this nature, exactly what is it that science can employ as a yardstick in determining validity? I mean, the gold standard in science is verifiability, repeatability. So after all, Are not the most compelling instances of psychic experience, including dreams, those that solve crimes, save lives, see accurately into the future, and so forth? In other words, they are experiences that by and large cannot be replicated in a laboratory. Does that just commit them to an anomalous category, or can we actually get to a working understanding of what, when, and why psychic experience? whether by dreams, full conscious intuitive insight, standard mediumship, etc., occur. I think of much of this in this way. Napoleon met his Waterloo, and no one disputes that. However, this event defies replication. We might find some short person who likes to stuff his hand in his side pocket and ride a white horse, and we may find others willing to reenact the battle. Suppose we did and we outfitted both sides with the original uniforms, guns, gear, etc. Would the outcome necessarily be the same? Not likely. Would the same people die in the same order? Could our new Napoleon use a different tactic or perhaps among our replacement warriors? We have a modern Achilles and all by himself he turns the tide of battle. The bottom line is this. We have many events that we accept without argument that cannot be replicated in a laboratory or verified using the scientific method. So what makes the world of psychic this and that different? The answer in a nutshell, in my view, is this. We don't understand it. I believe the role of science is in part to investigate what we don't understand until it has established sufficiently some theory that, as with all good theories, has predictive powers And then we turn the area of investigation into a discipline. That is exactly how most of our scientific disciplines have developed. Now, until the theory exists, we may be dealing with the philosophy of the potential theory in the sense that we strive to understand the phenomena in order to develop the theory. It is philosophy that typically does this work. And that is why we have philosophers of science and why the pH exists in Ph.D. The degree is a philosophy doctorate of, say, chemistry or physics or psychology, etc. Our our so-called skeptical pundits, and I think of them more as peddlers of scientism, seem to forget this when insisting on their version of absolute science. All right. As I said, Dr. Stanley Krippner, professor at... uh, um, yeah, Saybrook University, there we go, was to join us today. Unfortunately, uh, due to circumstances that we're still not fully infirmed, informed on, he was unable to do so. We hope he is well, and we wish him our best. My friend, Dr. Gillian Holloway, who has joined us in the past, a brilliant author of the Complete Dream Book and the uh, Dreaming Insights, uh, her website is lifetrex, that's L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S dot com. Uh, at the last minute, agreed to join me today and discuss this. So let's welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Jillian Holloway. How are you today, Jillian?
3: Hi, Alden. I'm fine. I'm very excited to be able to join you.
1: Well, and I'm thrilled that uh, you uh, you're able to do so right at the last minute. And, you know... When I learned about uh, Professor Krippner's inability to be with us today from his assistant, it was about 15 minutes before we go live. And uh, <laughs> so, as you know, I had Andrea call you immediately because what came to my mind is, all right, who's the expert out there that can talk about dreams, mythic past, that that understands this whole science area, this... this, this has the ability to debate this psychic experience, you know is it human potential or human illusion, which was a the theme of today's show, and of course, you were the number one candidate. I guess that that addresses how highly I think of you.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much. I know Stanley, and I hope I can do him credit. Uh, we've been on a few panels together and and so I'll try to mention what I think his point of view might be
1: well, that's good, but I mean, just be yourself too you you just stay in there with you know i let, let me do this. I was going to open the show this way. <clears throat> you heard the setup piece. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem dealing with paranormal anything or psi, as it's generally thought of, is um, you know how we how we treat it scientifically. What would you say is the best scientific approach to investigating psi?
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, I use a criterion of usefulness as a clinician. Um, That's where I go first, both with rational thinking and with paranormal experiences. How useful is it? Uh, Reflecting on the titles of your last two books, what if and what does it mean? So um, that's the litmus test for me.
1: Usefulness. I like usefulness. That's that's a good one. But I, I, I mean don't you I, I you've been on panels with uh, Kripner and and I know that you're very active in this area so don't you find that there's a certain special blindness on behalf of of some on both sides of the controversy I mean that is in my experience you have folks that insist on their view independent of the evidence Chris Carter for example uh, can be pretty headstrong with his support of parapsychology nothing against chris but At the same time, uh, where he may dismiss certain aspects that the other side brings, you have a Richard Dawkins who denies evidence by simply stating, as he did in a recent debate with Rupert Sheldrake, that he wasn't interested in the latest data on random number generators, and it didn't matter anyway. So don't you find that this this blindness on both sides uh, of the of the situation further exacerbates our ability to to get a handle on it and and to look at it uh, as though it were a legitimate um, exercise to investigate.
3: Yes, I absolutely agree with you, and I couldn't have articulated it so well. That's absolutely what's going on. And it it does keep us all, uh, it perpetuates a certain uh, silliness in, the, in our approach, there's the, there's the ongoing presumption of infallibility whenever we look at anything that's considered paranormal. The expectation is that if, if someone has an ability, they should be infallible, all seeing, all knowing, all the time, with any experiment, with any situation. Well, we don't expect infallibility of logic. You know, you no. wouldn't say, well, I made a mistake reasoning this out, so therefore I will never use reason or believe in it again. And yet, that's what we do with the paranormal. If there's an error, we say, "Well, it's you know, it obviously doesn't work." And I and I think that's kind of a a, a ridiculous, a ludicrous uh, criterion to place on it.
1: I love that. I, I had not heard that before. I I, I love that. You know, w- one of the things that I see, of course, is you know, on the one side you have the Christopher Hitchens and the the uh, you know the Richard Dawkins and the Randy the magician and and of course they're all about debunking psychic experience and they're all about arguing well and on the other side, you have well, as I mentioned the Chris Carter now Chris makes I think a fair point if paranormal this, that, and the other were to enter the legitimate area of science, it would challenge the world view of those atheist. That's his point. Mm-hmm. Uh, his point is that we'd have to accept that there is some spiritual this, that, or the other if we accepted paranormal. Do you agree with that?
3: Yes, I do. And I, and I think that it makes a, a tremendous difference if you have had what we call a lived experience. And most of the people that I know who are believers in quotations have had an experience that is so real for them that they will they will forever have an opening in their in their minds eye about what's possible. My father was a physician, not a believer, a man of science. So I'm used to rubbing shoulders with the skeptics in a, in a friendly way, having being friendly enemies. But shortly before he died, he began having dreams about his lifelong friend who had passed away twenty years before. And this friend, Patrick, kept visiting my father. And my father said, you know, I've got a a strange feeling that I'm going to be seeing Patrick again fairly soon uh, on the other side of the veil. And this was just unheard of coming out of my father's mouth. And in fact, a few weeks later, he passed away quite suddenly. So even a skeptic knows a spiritually valid experience when it comes to them.
1: You know, and then, then, of course, that begs the question, is science the right tool to be investigating the paranormal? If if through admission, we believe that there is no way to create a discipline that we could call a scientific discipline that would study the paranormal without incorporating the spiritual, Mm -hmm. is science the right tool?
3: Well, I think we have to borrow from the scientific methods, maybe not stay limited by the scientific perspective about what's real. But in my classes on intuition at the university, I have to make it palatable for people of all disciplines and, you know, make it fly by my bosses. But we do little experiments in the classroom, and I tell people to repeat them over and over and over again, record the results, and then evaluate your own findings. So we borrow in a tiny, you know, sort of lighthearted way, some of the scientific approaches to replicating our results. And that turns on a light bulb for people to say, oh, you know what, this isn't just nonsense at the psychic fair this is something that you can learn and repeat and have a sense of authority when you believe in it and when you think it was an accident
1: very interesting we've got a hard break coming up when we come back we're going to have to pick that up exactly how you teach some of this intuition but but i you know i, I guess where i get also on this uh, dr holloway is you you think of uh, men like Copernicus and Galileo and the the struggles and difficulties in the early history of, of the church Christianity in this instance that I'm speaking about. And and you try to fit that into what we're dealing with today. And, uh, you know, they're not all that different. Uh, Galileo, Copernicus, they, they both believe that they were seeing how God made things work. So, All right, enough said on that. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment talking with Dr. Julian Holloway about the world of myth and dreams and psychic experience. You will want uh, to have her books in your library. I refer to them very often. Uh, There are links on the site. uh, And again, her site is lifetrex.com. Stay with us during the break. You won't want to miss what's coming up next. We'll be right back after these words from our friends. Thank you for listening.
0: Eldon's international best-selling book, Mind Programming, is a must-read if you wish to live awake in a world of sheeples. Film producer Jeff Warwick had this to say about mind programming. Dr. Eldon Taylor's new book is a must-read. If you've ever questioned your purpose in life or felt bound by a culture that's driven by mass media, you now have at your fingertips the knowledge and tools to break the chains of this cycle. Eldon goes in-depth to illustrate and expose how we've been programmed from birth by social constraints, and he methodically reveals the psychological techniques that advertisers, politicians, corporations, and the media use to control us. He then provides strategies and solutions to free your mind from these tactics and rise to a new level of consciousness. As you read this book, you'll feel the blinders being removed and will truly see the world in an entirely new light. Get your copy today online or at fine bookstores everywhere. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your
1: mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing with Dr. Julian Holloway the world of psychic phenomena, and the possibility that it is only a human illusion. Uh, But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you will receive special announcements and incentives from time to time as our way of thanking you for your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there, and of course you can follow me on Twitter. If you like our show, spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your your support. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, Jillian, you and I were talking about um, science and and, uh, how you teach intuition, and, and I like your terminology, the usefulness of this work. So let me just ask you straight up, psychic experience, is it a human potential or a human illusion or both?
3: In my opinion, it's very much a human potential uh, and, and not, probably not just human. It's probably a life potential because I, the more I am around animals, the more I feel that there is a, a very natural biological telepathy that's going on all the time. So I'm a believer now, even though when I was attending graduate school, my professors coached me very deliberately and said, simply just don't go there to to the topic of the paranormal. You'll scare people, you'll confuse people, and you will lose credibility as a professional. So that was the party line when I was going to graduate school. And it took me about 15 years to kind of get over the hump. And realize that if I can't talk about what I'm discovering and learning and what seems to be the most healing and useful, then I need to go open a restaurant or something. I don't need to be doing this
2: if I I can't tell the truth or at least explore the truth
1: great minds you know i said to my wife more or less the same thing but instead of a restaurant i said kfc you yeah know? i mean because they just sell fat <laughs> I and mean, it may taste good but it, all right anyhow that's great you heard the setup piece so what are your thoughts on some of the so-called new age approaches to the world of parapsychology i mean i guess where i am and and i don't want to color your response but where i am I see a lot of it as just hocus-pocus nonsense. People make statements that I think just they, they, they color the entire field in a, in a very unfavorable way. They make it very easy for the Michael Shermers of the world to just dismiss out of hand. So how do you take it? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with this interface? What, what, do, you, how, what do you see?
4: Well, it seems
3: to me, I mean, if you can really step back from the different schools of thought, whether it's a skeptic, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know where it comes from, is take skepticism with a grain of salt. And I think that's great advice. I mean, we we can't just accept what the skeptics say, nor can we accept what, you know, what the soothsayers are saying. And and I, I draw a real hard line between the people who are truly gifted and truly of service And people who are more exploiting but if someone is telling you look don't believe in yourself believe in me and by the way give me your money whether that person (laughs) is a scientist or a psychic I think that's a a warning sign to step back from them so we have to we're on our own we have
1: didn't you um, just didn't you just describe medical doctors
3: Well, you know, there is. I I have this suspicion. uh, I'm not a great scholar of history, but I have the suspicion that that keeping people away from their own powers, their own abilities, um, their own independence has been the shell game uh, for for a long time throughout history. And of course, psychic abilities are empowering. And totally understanding understanding how your mind works, the work that you're dedicated to doing, teaching people, you know, where your mind goes, there your life goes, um, that's been forbidden information and really taboo, and it's still shrouded in taboo to some extent. Consider too <laughs> dangerous. Don't try this at home, that sort of thing.
1: I, I, I totally concur, and history will bear out what you're saying. I mean, once again... Uh, any Anything that deprives the individual of their ability to solve their own problems, to do their own thinking, to come to their own conclusions, uh, robs them of their franchise, who they are. You
3: know? Yes, yes. And one of the things that happens... Uh term after term in my intuition classes, is we'll do, little cla- we'll, we'll do little experiments in the class. We'll do some remote viewing. We'll do some psychometry. You know, we'll talk about the theory and the premise and where it comes from and then how to try it and how to repeat it. And people will do very, very well with it. And then they'll say, I'm so scared. This is scaring me. And I think, well, what is there to be scared of? You found out that you have a sense that you can hone and that it may be useful. Why would you be scared? But that's an indicator that we're breaking taboos. You know, very old taboos.
1: You become frightened when sharing that experience, sharing that power, sharing that knowledge will challenge the people that you surround yourself with, so... Mm -hmm. But with that said, Michael Shermer tells us of how he was able to quite easily dupe everyone with his psychic for a day undertaking, Mm -hmm. uh, which he describes in his book, where he poses a psychic, a reader, an astrologer, and so forth. Indeed, he recounts in the book, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, uh, exactly how he did that. And he implies from there that because he could do it, therefore... It's fraudulent on behalf of anyone or everyone that claims to be able to do these things as a result of psychic. He, he puts it all in an area of just psychology. You're a psychologist. Uh, how much of it is psychology?
4: I would
3: say uh, probably 30% of it is psychology. That's my experience. I've been to a few very famous psychics, and I've even seen them do a, you know a little bit of a shoe, from time to time, filling in the gaps. But I felt, you know, when I evaluated the experience that 70% of it was uh, completely gifted in. In other words, coming from a genuine gift and 30% of it, they were using a bit of filler. Um, but that doesn't mean that I would discount what I thought was, was the more illuminated information. And that's part of the human condition. So, you have to be shrewd enough to know that people are people and um, just because some of it may be a little off color not all of it is
1: okay let's uh i want to get into your intuition class in particularly the psychometry aspect because i played with that years ago myself and, mm-hmm. and, and i want to know what you're doing there but we have a very patient caller that's been on uh, on the line on line one waiting for us since uh, two minutes into the show so let's Let's go to the phone for a minute. We have Betty from Toledo, Ohio, joining us. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Betty.
2: Thank you, Alden. I thoroughly enjoy your show and your tapes. And um, the tape that I have on um, self hypnosis is amazing. It has done so much for me. I I owe you so much just for the one tape. And of course, I love Serenity. Um.
1: You of course owe me nothing, and I am thrilled that they are working very well for you. But all they are is, is you know, they're tools to assist you. And and in that sense, I think that you do the doing. I mean, you are the one that that deserves the pat on the back. So you know, give yourself one. But I certainly appreciate your comments, Betty.
2: Uh, without the tools, I wouldn't be where I am today. Thank you. I owe you that. Um, well. I'm I very, appreciate that. I'm very grateful. And please never change your show. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect the way it is.
1: Uh, All right. Well, well, thank you, Betty. And we're very glad you think so. I'm very glad you called. You just remember this, you know, uh, Jesus had some tools, but that didn't make the man. And I'm glad the tools work for you. And, but you, you deserve the credit.
2: Well, thank you. I have a question about a dream okay is um i had this dream last night Mm -hmm. and i've been trying all day to figure out what it meant i was digging in the garden Mm a flower garden out in front of my house with a pitchfork. i guess that's what you would call it Mm -hmm. and um i dug up a gold ring like a a wedding band Mm -hmm. there was No dirt, nothing on it. It was just perfect, you know, clean as could be, just as if I had taken it out of a box or something, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering what that means.
3: Well, it's a very interesting image, Betty. Um, Typically, there aren't a lot of dreams that people report about uh, digging up treasures, but when that does happen, it's usually reflective of a potential that the person that's sort of bubbling up to the surface, welling up from inside you. And the gold ring, often rings represent promises that the the psyche has had. Uh, How can I express this? It's time to fulfill a promise to yourself is what I'm trying to say. And the digging that up in the garden, gardens are places where we uh, have a harvest or have productivity, So it seems to me that the bottom line of this dream is about reminding you of something that is still pristine, still full of potential, still a great possibility,
2: and that this may be the time for you
3: to initiate action around that. Are you following what I'm saying so
2: far? I am, and it's funny that you said digging up a treasure, because that's what I thought. When I was still sleeping, I thought, oh my goodness, I've dug up a treasure.
3: yes. Yes. And the fact that it is a ring, we dig up all different types of, of treasures in our dreams. But the ring particularly uh, suggests, from my experience, of, of something, some kind of promise, perhaps an early sense of promise, or something that you said to yourself as a youngster, you know, when I have time, I'm going to do such and such. It's that type of an energy that is uh, often depicted as a ring in our dreams.
2: Mm. Well, that will be interesting. I'll have to go back in the memory banks. And yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. But there's Thanks. every reason why it's happening to you right now. So do take that to heart. You're right to pay attention to this one.
2: Well, I wonder if it has anything to do with Eldon's tape.
3: It very possibly could. That, that you've done some internal house cleaning and now you have some capacities and some abilities available to you that were always there, but they were functionally unavailable before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, makes...
1: Betty, it's all about you.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and your tools. Um, I love one, you. Oh, Go ahead. Um, would you repeat Dr. Holloway's website or spell it out because... I'm not sure that I understood it correctly.
1: Sure, obviously it's www, but it's LifeTreks. l i f e t r e k s dot com. Did I get that right, Doctor Holly? That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Okay. Great okay, site.
1: She has some surveys there, and you know, and for everybody out there, thanks for calling, Betty. For everybody out there. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. Holloway, you're a first-time listener. Her, one of her expertise is, is dreams, and she does a great job. She's appeared a couple of times at at discussing your dreams with you, and so, you know, we welcome your calls in that, that area. Before we go back to the phones, though, Dr. Holloway, and they're lighting up now, <laughs> uh, I, I want to go to your class on intuition. Now, you you said that you, you teach psychometry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember years ago. Reading about psychometry, and a friend of mine said to me, "Well, here," and handed me um, uh, uh, what was it? An item, and an, a lack. I, I can't think of what the item was, but handed me this item. It was a piece of jewelry, and uh, and and I sat with the item, and you know, I didn't know what to do, no training, etc. But I had this picture come into my mind. And it was of an older woman in a rocking chair, and so I described this older woman well, it caused the individual that gave me this to, to become really upset, want to know how I was doing it was fearful etc. Apparently, I had described her deceased grandmother very very well mm-hmm. so how often does that kind of i mean you know to me that that was a one time in and out could be just totally coincidental. How often does that kind of thing happen
3: Well, in my classes, it happens uh, a to the alarm of the students very often. And I think that there's something great about trying an experiment with something that you can't, I mean, technically in quotes, you can't possibly do it. So the expectation is that nothing is going to happen. And because the expectation is so low and it's such an improbable thing, people are able to kind of leap over that hurdle and just play with it. And uh, psychometry is one of those things that people can learn pretty rapidly. I'm not sure why.
1: Okay, how do you teach it? What is it that you tell them to do?
3: Well, I tell them to bring something from home that is small and portable and which they know enough about that they can validate uh, what the other person in the experiment will be reading or picking up. And then I do what I call a forced-choice experiment. What you described, being able to just get something and describe it, is more rare and more advanced. The way to start is by having someone write down four things and say, well, this came from a seafaring captain, this came from a farmer, this came from a man, this came from a woman. And then ask the, the seer or the reader to hold it and be able and close their eyes and be able to try on each of the choices and then say which choice is more real in their imagination. And that's so a, a way to, to step forward into that ability.
1: Right. And so when you're done you could use a statistical analysis method to determine what the probability of of having correct answers would be.
3: That's right. And and it shows the students very clearly with that with a forced choice experiment where the the truth is one of several choices they're able to discern Their internal process and how, when they're getting a hit, when they're accurate, what it looks like or feels like or sounds like. So they're learning about their own ability at the same time they're learning about the credibility of the experiment itself.
1: And so therein is the interface of how we perhaps can best look at using science in this field of the paranormal.
3: That's right. It's always helpful when we, add a, a, when we lightly borrow from the scientific methods. It's always helpful, and it allows people to say, oh, this isn't just you're either right or wrong. This teaches you how to become more and more accurate.
1: Right. Okay, let's go to the phones. I think, you know, everybody knows now that you can help them with their dreams and see so you're <laughs> going to get those calls. Okay. We have online, too, Holly from Los Angeles. Holly, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Well, we have Holly on. Are you there, Holly?
4: Hi. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, hi. We can.
1: Welcome to the show. What can we do for you today?
4: I'm in a bit of a dilemma because I moved to Los Angeles from Ireland, and I thought I would be working sooner than I have been. I've been here now for four months, and basically my parents are putting pressure on me to return home to start studying again. And in my gut, I feel it's wrong, but I'm feeling very pulled, and finding it very hard to justify why I want to be here when there aren't physical reasons, mm. you know, to tell them. And I just I feel a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. And so,
3: you're hoping that between the two of us, we can kind of give you an intuitive reading on exactly. that, or
4: exactly, and telling me where who should I follow because I I see my parents' logic, but I just I really feel things will work out for me here in Los Angeles, and I'm hoping. But maybe you can see the bigger picture.
3: Well, I'll give you my two cents worth, and then Eldon will give you his $1.95 worth.
4: Um, <laughs> <sorry>.
3: <laughs> my, what I tell students, and, and students ask me these types of things all the time, I can't read your future. I wish I could. I'd be in a lot better business if I could. But, but give yourself a time limit uh, yeah. to follow your bliss and to follow your intuition and say, if I don't have a better concrete situation by Christmas or, or whatever feels right to you, then fair enough. Give Perfect. your dreams a try, give your gut a try, and uh, then be ready to, to take some rapid action uh, in the other direction. If you don't get a, some kind of a sign by then that's, that's works very well for people. Perfect.
4: Thank you.
1: I don't do science, Holly. I do genuinely believe that, uh, Following your intuition, following you know, trusting in yourself—that's uh, the only way that you're going to find happiness in life. If you leave and go back because of the pressures that are being placed upon you by parents or someone else right now, you'll forever regret it. So the dollar ninety-five words actually came from uh, Doctor Holloway. Give yourself the time, living and experience it. Uh, that would be what I would suggest. We appreciate you calling. You have a Thank great, so uh, and, and let us know how it works out, Holly. Do call us Brilliant. back. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's go to line three where we have, uh, Steffi from Los Angeles. I hope I said that correctly. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment.
4: Thank you, Dr. Alden. Thank you, Dr. Holloway for taking my call. I'm so happy that I can get on online with you and, um, I, I would like to share the dream I had several months ago, and this dream stays with me almost every day since I wrote it down. I had a dream. I was flying, and when I couldn't fly anymore, I walked down, uh, and I saw the ocean and the sky. They were beautiful, and in front of me, the ocean split in the sides, and I saw a light coming through the ocean very high, and I thought to myself, I'm going to see God. And actually, I saw a picture of Charles Heston, and the light came toward me, and I woke up. So please give me some insights about uh, this very interesting dream I had. Wow,
3: that is a stunning dream.
4: I well... know. It's every day with me, and I, I've been trying to get on, online on the radio to talk to somebody to give me their insights, and I'm so excited that I was like today.
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm glad, too. Maybe this was meant to be. Well, I I I do believe that we have revelatory dreams, both to rekindle our um, faith in our spirituality, whatever kind of faith that is, and also to encourage us in our own personal lives. And my intuition about your dream is that this is both. This is a reminder to trust in your faith, and it's a reminder that your life is not just a ho-hum existence, but it's a spiritual existence as well. And sometimes these dreams are so powerful, precisely so that we will remember them and we'll walk with them forward in our lives. So I'd say you're, you already know what this dream is.
4: Yes, I know. I just wanted a confirmation. Mm-hmm. Yes, the dream is always with me. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm so happy for you. Thank
2: you.
1: you. Thanks for calling, Steffi. Thank you.
4: Uh,
2: uh,
1: All right. We'll try and take one more call. We have TK on line five from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment.
4: Thank you so much for taking my call, doctors. Um, I'm excited. How are you? Good. Great. Um, I've been having dreams about coins. And and one particular night, it actually woke me up on my sleep. It was this gushing of coins, and from my recollection, the color copper or pennies, I'm not sure, but I remember waking up saying, oh, gosh, are you counting coins? Um, We only have about
1: one minute, so quickly.
4: Yeah, that's it. So what does that mean? Wow. Well,
3: it does sound like it's about uh, some kind of a, a gush of positive energy coming into your life. Whether it's actually going to be monetary, TK, or whether it's just going to be available resources for you, I'm not able to tell. But I would say you have this is a winning sort of a dream, and it's about positive energy flowing into your life. So I think you're in a good place right now, and this is a place to
4: harness that energy for whatever
3: you're about to do next.
4: Wow, that's great. That's great to hear. Thank you so much. It scared me. It was so loud. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's great. And then what I remember just recently, um, I guess back I'm, I'm sorry, ago. I'm DK, sorry, I probably ran out. Okay.
1: Yeah, we're out of time. I appreciate you calling. Call us next time, okay? <laughs> uh dr holloway i i want you to have a little bit of time to tell everybody how to get a hold of you how to reach you because obviously there will be tons of people that have dreams and i know you you keep some information at your website some research so in about 20 seconds tell everybody
3: so my website is lifetrex.com l-i-f-e-t-r-e-e-k-s and you can reach me at g away at lifetrex.com or just hit the comments button on the website. I'll be happy to try and help you if I can. and I have some books uh, cited there for your uh, resources as well.
1: All right, it, you know, and I can't tell you again, Julian, how much I appreciate you being willing to just come to the plate with so few so little advance notice. <laughs> You're wonderful. Come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you out there for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have comments on our show, do let us know. Okay, until next time, remember, believing in yourself always matters.